You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Australia, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders in the industry. I'm Alan. I help connect business with tech talent. And today, I'm your host. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Evolution Exchange Podcast. So today we have some really interesting topics going on, how to attract and retain talent in this talent shop market. And today we have the honor of beautiful panels here. I will ask them to introduce themselves first. Let's start from Faye. Introduce to the audience, please. Thank you. Hey. Hello, everyone. And this is Phaeton at Medicos. So I'm the CTU at Medicos managing the engineer teams. So in Medicos, we develop the practice management systems used by GPs and online health and also specialists. So right now, our focus is on the Australian market. And uh, thank you so much for Alan inviting me to this panel. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Faye. Um, my name is Greg Collins. I'm the CTO at Call Journey. Um, we focus on voice analytics. We build two main products, one around employee engagement, another around um, contact centers. So we uh, analyze voice and then give those insights back to um, back to businesses to help them in, enrich their uh, um, their insights into what um, their customers are saying. Um, my background's in software engineering. Thank you so much, Greg. Uh, hi, Alan. I am uh, head of engineering at TeamForm, David Morozos. Uh, I'm looking after engineers building a SaaS product and uh, our product, TeamForm, uh, helps to plan, build, and manage cross-functional teams to improve work outcomes and reduce costs. Thank you, David. Uh, thanks, David, and thanks, Alan, for inviting us all to this conversation. Um, my name is Jackson Bates. I'm the CTO at Grace Papers, which is a gender equality, inclusion, and work fle workplace flexibility consultancy. Um, the part of that that falls under my purview is the digital coaching platform that we offer, which supports employees in our client organizations as they navigate their careers in uh, fulfilling ways, hopefully, um, to balance the challenges they face with child and elder care, the need to carve out time for self-care, uh, and how leaders might go about managing teams and organizations with those needs uh, while keeping their own energy levels high. And uh, as for me, I have a background in high school education uh, for many years as a teacher and leader uh, before making the transition to software and uh, more recently engineering management. Uh, so obviously I, I care quite a lot about the idea of support and growth and retention. You know, it's always been important to me. Thank you for everyone for coming. I feel like in the, you know, in the past two to three years, you know, through the COVID sessions, like we are lucky enough to be in an industry, you know, we never stop growing, always innovating, new technology, new background, and the team are growing as well. But thinking about that, you know, among this Australian market right now, like I'm pretty sure everyone's struggle, right? Like CTOs, head of engineering, even for me, myself, I'm struggling as well. Uh, shall we share some like, you know, internal thoughts about that? Uh, maybe Faye, you start sharing something about like how's everything going with med records and then tell me what's the current struggle and how to you know retain and attract talents. Sure, I'll go first. So yes, you know, we, we kind of face the same problems, right? As you we all know this year, what they call it a great recognition year. So you see most of, if they I will look at some of the surveys done by the some US a big company, they said almost you know, half of the people are looking for move. So and then then as a company, right? So how can we attract also the retain the Thailand employees? It might become the uh, kind of the top one priority for the, the good companies. 
So first, I think I will talk about you know how to attract the good employees. So I think there are several you know topics I would like to discuss. The first one could be you know is on the as a company level, like organization level. What can you provide to these employees, right? For example, the cultures and what are the values, and also your company's vision, and also what product you are currently developing, right? Is that something you know you can the employee can see a big future? For example, you are developing something you know related to the AIs and can change the world. Are, are you working in an industry that will kind of shrink? For example, if you're working in a industry that some you know there will be another you know kind of innovation will come in and replace you and then the employee will feel worried about the future right so that's the first part a uh, second part i think is what is important for 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 them is the opportunity to grow even within the companies let's say if for let's say for graduate they want to grow into a junior position and to a senior position until to a, maybe a management position right so they want to see within the companies what can you offer to these employees and of course, as a company, so the strategy for medicals could be, for example, the professional development. We offer them the opportunities to, you know, look at some costs and we'll reimburse the cost. And also we'll run internal some learning programs. So, for example, like, you know, lunch and learn or brown back sessions organized by the internal employees. And also for their careers or girls, right? So, for example, if they are interested in some, for example, AWS certificate, and we will encourage them to, to take you know design opportunities and to get some certificate and this will benefit both you know themselves and also the manuals as well and then the next one I want to talk about is about this you know some of the work of flexibilities because we know you know as uh, it seems like the board is is opening uh, right now and the people are allowed to travel and also some of the company encourage them back to the office right but still it's, it feel like not everyone at these days, especially after you know two three years staying at home, they are not really want to go back to the office. They, are, they sort of want a flexible environment, right? Maybe one or two days at home or one or two days in the in the office. So they do want that flexibility. So as a company, so you do think about your where's your office, right? For example, you, during this period, you may hire some people from different places. Do you really have a physical office, right? For example, in medicals. Because we we hired around maybe 30, 40 people in the just last uh, you know uh, one year, and then we hire people from Brisbane, from from Melbourne. You know we got people in Adelaide, we got people in Sydney. We don't even have a you know physical office in every single cities. So how how do you make this happen, right? For all of the employees, does it even because it's already working, right? We already approved this pattern works. Does it even make sense? You know, to changes. And the last one I want to talk about it maybe is the um, the social activity as well, right? So even though you know we all know it's it's hard to get people in the same office, but still you don't want to run some like a online virtual events. For example, hike zones. We just finished our hike zone last week. We got a whole week, you know, dedicated for the hike zone activities and also some of the you know the parties and the celebrations online, right? For example, we run the town hall and during that event. We will put, you know, let the employees to purchase, you know, we give them a reimburse their own cost so they can buy a lunch by themselves. And then we just, you know, have, have, have a, like an online party after the town hall. So basically, <laughs> there are a few things as a company you can offer to the employees. And of course, the, at, at the end is you do want to show them how much you care about them, right? So you don't want to create an environment where you have a you know, hierarchy and then you the, got the manager roles and people need to reporting you and give them hard rules. You do want to create an environment. Of, you want to show them a part of what they are doing. Also care about, for example, your life, uh, your families, 
and also the environment surrounding them, right? You want to create a very good working environment. So whenever they start working, they feel happy about their work. I think that's uh, that's, that's it from my myself. Oh, thank you so much, Faye. Like you've been touching so many different aspects, but I feel like it's totally relevant and uh, very flexible. Like, you know, speaking of, you know, launch different options, you know, you're going to reimburse everyone. Like, Speaking of different companies, especially for the IT, right? We all from different backgrounds. So when we literally prepare for the catering, it's actually a big problem for my company as well. Like I feel like that's the way I'm gonna bring this to my company as well. Like we're gonna buy the things we want, and then you just reimburse the ticket. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Um, look, I think from from my side, um, Core Journey, we're a distributed company, like like so many, but we've got teams in the Philippines and Vietnam and Australia and US. So trying to create a sort of a sense of of purpose is is really hard. And I think what we've what I've seen in organisations where we've all been inside the same building, a lot of the techniques which worked really well there haven't translated to um, keeping people and and retaining people inside a distributed organisation. And it's interesting. I think we've seen lots of people. Or lots of organisations try th those things. They've, you know, like let's have group sessions online, and, and I do. I must admit, I think the food one is is really good. Um, I think the, the 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 thing which is really powerful for me, but for keeping people inside an organisation is is both connecting them to the purpose, but connecting them to people, and connecting someone to people when you're just at home, um, or even in a sort of a, a, a local office, is is really really hard. Um, I think you sort of, as a, as a manager, you need to work twice as hard to make sure that those relationships are there and then start connecting people up as well. I would say something which has worked really well for us is really focusing on who are our people managers. I think a lot of people um, go into people management because it's just the next step in their career, not because it's actually what they're either good at or what they should do. And I think lining up and seeing where people's actual growths are um, it, you know, moving them necessarily sometimes away from people management because that's actually not where their best growth is, and also people putting people into people management roles that are really, really good at it. Um, probably the other thing I would say is that when I look at people both retaining and attracting and retaining talent, especially around retaining, the sort of a level is one is the, the things that you do that which drive people away. It's like that baseline of needs, isn't it? It's like, do you have a good working environment? Do you have good and um, you know good equipment? You know, do you feel like they've actually invested in you or are they just hiring you out as sort of a distributed resource that they don't care about? And if you don't deal with those things, it doesn't really matter how many cool things you do on top where you've got your hackathons, you've got your good lunches and you've got all these things where people are leaning into. So I sort of we focus a lot on um, making sure those base needs are met. And then when we're happy there, then we, we sort of we build up. But we really focus as well on if we hear things um that aren't met just within their sort of day-to-day -day lives, there's, there's no point in trying to sort of stretch on top of it. Yeah, well said, Greg. Like, at the end of the day, you know, we're working as an organization, right? Like, you know, collaboratively, and then um, people are, you know, coming from different aspects as well. For example, like you said, some people are good at coding, not necessarily mean like, you know, he's senior, we need to promote him to a people manager, right? So at the end of the day, you have to see what's the best, like, traits within that person and try to utilize that in the best way rather than just give him a title and a promotion and say yeah you belong what you deserve but at the end of the day is that something best for the person and also is that something best for the organization as well you know that's a question we need to discuss further about you know diversity or even how to grow 
within the organization. Yeah, nice input. Thank you so much. Yeah, David here, I'll jump in. Uh, I agree with a lot of what Faye and Greg said. Really good points. I think what I could add to this conversation is transparency during the hiring process and after. I think that is really important because you don't want to mislead someone into something that they think is their role but isn't. I think if you can be upfront and if you can explain what the actual environment is, you know, spend that quality time in your first interview. Instead of using that hour questioning, throwing really hard questions at a person, trying to break him down or her down, sorry, uh, you should spend time to sell your company, explain uh, what you are offering first. Make sure that there is this mutual interest uh, early on before you invest in you know, all these technical exercises, wasting time on things that are not really important uh, at that stage. So yeah, that, that would be uh, the main thing I would like to add. And at TeamForm, we do invest heavily in talking about our company's history, about the composition, about individuals that we have and what their roles are, and also what our day-to-day -day, day -day life looks like. Uh, once we are on the same page, once we know that the person is interested in what we're doing, we then start questioning uh, what they are interested in, what, what's their past, what's their current situation, and what they're looking to achieve. If that all aligns, we go into technical things. And yeah, if, if all the process goes well, we then, of course, uh, can start talking about creating that environment that helps to retain this talent that we just acquired. So because we were transparent, they already know that we are a safe and supportive environment, uh, that they know that we not only claim that we are diverse, but we understand what it is. Uh, you know, it's not just about saying, but not doing it. Not, and, or, or thinking that you're doing while you're not actually, because you don't have a full understanding. So you have to educate yourself on those things and don't stop, you know, at a certain point and just say that I do understand things fully now. Like these things continuously evolve. The, the things that we thought were explored aren't really explored. We keep, uh, you know, discovering that there are other groups of people that might not be included, that might not be looked after. So that's really important. Uh, another another thing, and sorry, I'm going sort of through the list of thoughts that are, All good. All good. in my opinion, are important in retaining talent. So I think it's also about the working environment and allowing people to do what they want to do. You know, because we had this transparent discussion and they have this expectation that they will be doing something and learning something new and doing something interesting, we should allow them to then go and do it. We should allow them to explore and learn those new things. And we should support people in, you know, making that happen. So if they want to learn a new technology, we support, we should support them. We should not only give them time, but funds to go learn about it and come back and share this knowledge back to the rest of the team. 
reducing handover culture. Like if you if you do something, you want to see something, you want to see that thing uh, come to life. You want to see uh, people taking and using it. You don't want to just build something, commit to a repository and leave it there for someone else to pick up. And they will then many layers after like will deliver to someone or not. You don't you will not even know. You might not even be there anymore at that time. So it is really important, we think, to break up those silos, break up the handover culture and let people be part of the initiative. Let things go, flow all the way end to end. Uh, that really helps people belong, you know, feel like they're belonging in the organization and not just uh, hired to do some repetitive task kind of thing. Uh, yeah, and talking about those repetitive tasks, it's probably better to invest in automation and, you know, invest into that early. It might not be justifiable at it, it, in many cases it, it it seems that it isn't but actually once you start doing it and start uh, allowing people to automate those annoying things uh, you find the team health improving significantly because people can focus on things that they're really excited and passionate about so yeah that's another important thing and yeah so basically provide opportunities listen to people and uh, you know, enable them to do those things. I have more to say, but I'll probably stop here and we can talk about, uh, I really like what Greg said about uh, this natural growth into the leadership position, people managers. Like, yeah, there are many different career progression paths. We should not restrict ourselves to just, you know, junior engineer, mid-level mid engineer, senior engineer, head of engineering, CTO, like, that's not how it works. There are there are many paths to explore. Uh, the sky is the so. Yeah. Thank you so much, David. I feel like a few points you've been touched is really you know uh, inspirational. I think creating a belong culture is something like I may put on the next coming up podcast as well. So especially for the, you know people and culture department, you know especially for right now this market, you know how you're gonna create a psychological safe environment when the employees are happy and you know are okay to say their true feelings you know to give you the ideas of how they're going to progress within the organization how the direction going to go and how they're going to stay here in the long term which is very important and i feel like sometimes when they are so busy focusing on hiring right now they focus too much on the tech stack personality trait they forgot the people they need to grow with the company as well so at the end of the day you know you need to treat them as a valuable asset within the organization. And uh, it's not only the company gonna grow, it's the team gonna grow with the company in the same pace. So that's something you need to bring up in the interview stage as well. Another thing I feel like so important is like, you know, the changes of steps, you know, obviously before, you know, we just call someone, right? If you feel everything goes well in that 15 minutes, we send out a two hour or even 10 hour tech test, but no one's doing that right now. So what's happening right now is more like, you know, we send a VC, right, a video call, talk for like 20 minutes, making conversations to see if this is a perfect match for both, you know, clients and candidates. And both parties are great. Yes, let's move on to the next step. Then we send out like a tech test, which 
maximum one hour only, to be honest. Like no one gonna wasting too much time doing a coding test. Every day, there's no perfect coding test, right? It's all about how you're gonna approve your coding and how you're gonna be analysis about the coding. So I guess, you know, being more flexible is something we really need to be focusing on right now as well. Thank you so much, David. And Jackson. Yeah, look, I mean, uh, in terms of retaining talent, I think the other three have covered everything that could be done well in that regard. Like they, they've got so much insight into that. Um, I, I think I particularly picked up on the, the comment about um, culture, you know, as being yep. an important um, part of that. And I think it's very easy, like I'm sure we all belong to organizations that have uh, a very kind of vocal position on their company culture, which is like the advertised culture. But then there's the day-to-day -day interactions that actually go on within your organization that's the real culture. And I think, you know, Greg was making the point of you want to take care of those push factors. And I think even the way you attend to those push factors is a large part of your culture. You know, if you've got a, a senior leadership team who are always unavailable or who never, never respond to emails or all of those little things, that then they're not going to be the, the, the banner on the website. You know, we, we believe in like keeping our employees on hold. <laughs> but um, if, if, that's the, if that's the true culture, that, that will push people away. People will start to look at those kind of, you know, those other organizations that they believe are going to have better processes are obviously nowhere is perfect, but, but that's, that's one thing that stood out to me, but, um, Alan, you were making the point then about, um, the, the, the kind of recruitment strategies that you might use as well. Like, you know, it's one thing to try and retain your staff, but to try and attract them at that early stage as well. And I know, I think I, I can speak for the, the four of us here that we, we kind of represent companies that aren't aren't huge you know we don't have like the the biggest resources in the world so one of my challenges has been how do we how do we compete on a kind of even footing with you know the atlassians and the canvas and the link trees and the afterpays who have got you know more money than god and they can just like throw equity and you know all the promises and you know whereas we don't have that you know we we, we can sell them maybe on a vision and we can sell people on this is what we believe this is the mission and, you know, if that's authentic, you know, I mean, we're in a position at Grace Papers because we we deal solely with the idea of like gender equality. That's going to attract a very particular type of person who's not necessarily interested in like making a new widget that people can interact with on a JIRA board, although some people would love that. And that's not to cast any aspersions on that. But, um, you know, like people who care about gender equality, particularly technologists who care about gender equality, you know, we, we give them the opportunity to maybe take part in something that a bigger company wouldn't necessarily give them the opportunity to. But, um, but yeah, I, I certainly take your point as well about our processes and how onerous they can be. Um, I think one of the, one of the downsides of being a small company is, um, you don't have the necessarily the resources to, um, have these kind of labor intensive, big, you know, grown-up company processes of like the the many stages of interviewing and the the, the various technical tests because you just don't have the resources to uh, authentically you know assess that fairly but then I think in some respects that's also our superpower right because at the end of the day what developer wants to go through a 10-stage process with all of these you know additional tests and then there's a whiteboard algorithm test thrown in there for good measure which doesn't really reflect the work they do anyway so I think you know in some respects the that having a smaller company also gives you a little bit of that kind of flexibility and agility to um, maybe do away with some of those things that we just we just pick them up because you know 
that was Google's hiring process, you know, during the 2000s. It's like, well, I don't have Google Scala problems, so I certainly shouldn't be picking up their recruiting strategies. Yeah. Um, but I am interested to hear from the others as to what they're, you know, being similarly sized teams, like how do they feel that tension? Like how do we, how do we win over the uh, potentially, you know, Atlassian, you know, they've applied to us and they've applied to Atlassian. So how do we get them? You know, I'm interested to hear that because I think that's always top of mind for me as I enter that process. I think that's perfect. I guess there's a perfect timing for our open discussion Then everyone feel to jump in, give thoughts. Uh, you know, obviously, as we all know, right, in this market, Canva, Atlassian and Google, everyone, right? Linktree, not even, they just have another funding. So I guess, yeah, very challenging times for all of us. <laughs> so let's try to figure something out all together. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm happy to share some uh, experience. Of course, we, we can't compete them if we're doing the match, right? So for example, we can't match on the conversations, but we have to, you know, for magic causes, we sort of find that, you know, where we are unique. So for example, we, but in the health domain, right? It's very during the COVID. So we developed a platform that support the national COVID, uh, coronavirus helplines. So we kind of sell that companies, you know, the visions, the values, and also, you know, when you work for medical health, right? So what you, what achievement you will get at the end. And also you can look at the people surrounding, right? Within the whole Australia. So you're helping them to kind of overcome this difficult time. And by by supporting them uh, software, right, and then hopefully this is aligned with their personal values. So this is kind of the unique part, right? We can sort of play it and to convince people to join medicals. And this is just uh, one part. Uh, of course, uh, the other part could be, you know, for example, the hiring strategies. I completely agree with uh, Jackson on this point. We are not Google, right? And we don't need to throw a super difficult technical challenge to to the to the people, right? Ask them to resolve some tough, you know, algorithm problem because that's not their, their daily job. And also we don't have that scaling problems anyway. So what I was thinking is about the different strategy could be, for example, for medical, right? So we just have one maximum two interviews. We get it done in two maximum three days. So we can immediately give them an offer, right? So, and then instead of we, you know, taking two, three days, it takes three weeks. At the end, they may have four offers and they need to choose which one they, you know, they're happy with. So we just say, you know, these two, three days, we're happy with you. Uh, please, you know, try medical, and that's it. So hopefully, you know, at this time, they know, you know, your, your, the company's agility, right? So they know the company culture is, is, uh, you know, it's very, very quick. So this will also, you know, play like a, like many of who play in a unique kind of unique position, and then to kind of, you know, convince the people to join medical as well. So these are the kind of the two points I want to throw in here. Yeah, and I think I'd just um, I'd just add to that. There's a good book called The Hard Things About Hard Things. It's um, by Ben Howitzer. He, um, he's a CEO, so I forgot the name of the company, but he just talks a lot about what it's like to be in a startup about, um, you know, everyone talks, then, you know, they always talk about the hard being, you know, getting the right strategy and all these things. And he really sort of pulls it and goes, it's, it's not hard. It's it's not. It's, it's about how do you get great people in your company? How do you get them to make a difference in your firm and, and not see yourself as a commodity asset? And um, But it's a, it's a really good read. But one of the things he does talk about is um, the things that small firms can do, which big firms can't do. Um, and I think being able to play with people's titles is, is quite nice. You can be more adventurous with what people present themselves as. It's not such a... Um, 
you know, strong, this is our, this is what you're going to be and this is the end of it. I think as well as in a, in a small firm, you know, I always put, I got mates who work at Google and you just, you're a small, you are a small wheel just by virtue of it being such a big company. Like how do you make an impact in that company? And I think in small, in, in firms like ours, you get to both play well outside your role. You get to try other challenges, which you're not going to try get anywhere else. I think, as, as you said, Faye, as well, you get to connect a lot more to an identity. And I think that's super powerful. But, you know, you know, Atlassian, you know, awesome company. But, you know, what is it that, that the individual developer is connecting to? And I think, you know, there's a good book, um, you know, Will to Power. People always go to that, where is my power point? And, and David, you're making the point about someone make, making changes in code and having that pushed further down the line. What they do, if that happens, then they just become, I'm just going to do amazing coding at my point because this is my power. Yeah, I really don't care what it looks like in production because I never see that. So if that's where, and, and I think with getting people and hiring the right sort of people is that their, their, well, their, their power is really closely aligned with the company. I mean, we had a great session a little while ago. We were just looking at our, um, not just retention, but what is our purpose and how do we communicate it and behaviours. And I think um, unanimously across the group, it was not to put something like innovation as part of our purpose. And not to say we're not innovative, but I think to me, purpose is about sacrifice. So if you're not prepared to sacrifice to do it, then you really haven't made a choice. And most people put innovation in the, in the thing. It's our purpose because we would like to be innovative and everyone wants to be innovative. But are you prepared to not do something? Are you prepared to really hurt to be innovative? And I think there's smaller firms, generally richer firms, that put themselves in that position. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I think – sorry, you made some really good points then. So the other one, actually, David, I just wanted to call out as well, you said about good hiring sort of equals good retention. I, I, I like that as well. I think – your retention strategy becomes, and I've seen this at, at previous firms where I don't think we did hire the right talent, and then at certain situations we just had a mass exodus, and it was it was really the reflection was we hadn't hired people for the right reasons, and then they weren't aligned with you. And I think Jackson, you were making the point as well. You say you're one thing, but then you're not. You know, you people, everyone sort of promotes themselves as being this, and if you're not lined up with that job when you come in, if you haven't walked the walk, and this is, comes down to technical interviews. Isn't I saw a great comic the other day about what the level technical interviews are at, just sort of your elite day of coding, and then generally, what are you doing? Crud. It's just some unit tests around something. <laughs> it's like write to a database, put it on the screen. You know, it, it's there's a small world in which you play where you do have to be of excellence, but there is so much where you don't. Um, and I think so being true to you, your job interview, I think you, you alluded to that was that should be aligned with actually what your job is going to be like as well, because that's being, yeah, that's having integrity. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's really well covered Greg, uh, and Faye. Uh, yeah, it is definitely. Uh, really challenging times at the moment in the whole market. Uh, we get that, but I think we can use our size as an advantage. Uh, as already said, in a small organization, you have way, way more power, uh, you know, in comparison to, 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 to the large organization, because everything is kind of relative. If, if in, in that huge mechanism, you are a tiny ball. <laughs> in the small mechanism, you are, you are a really important gear, you know, if, if you get what I mean. So 
if you wanted to influence your own future, because I think that those two things uh, correlate, you know, if company is successful, you are successful. If you are successful, company is successful. So by putting a lot of sweat and tears into your day-to-day -day work, and hopefully it's not tears of pain, it's tears of joy, <laughs> but hopefully by doing all that, you make the company successful and the success of company brings you success as part of what you just did. You know, you might be able to grow into that role that you dream about. You might be able to solve the the challenge that your company, you know, whatever the company's mission is, you know, fight for equality, uh, provide poor with, you know, resources, uh, provide good services in general, whatever, whatever it is, if it aligns with your mission and you are successful in a small company, you have more steer. You can, you can put all your heart into it and you will be able to, uh, you know, you know, see, see it come to life in, in, in the bigger, in the bigger company, there are a lot of decision makers. There are a lot of people and it's less likely that all of their visions will align. Yeah. Large companies, I have nothing against them. Uh, you know, surely you can experience wonderful, wonderful times in there as well. But yeah. I, I also wanted to, to talk about the technology that you get to touch. Uh, what I've observed over the years in the large organizations, you sort of stuck with uh, what's in place there already, uh, might be for many, many, many years, and uh, there might be uh, unprecedented levels of bureaucracy that you'll have to go through before you can change that to something that you would like to work on, that's something, something that you think is right fit for the job. So, yeah, in a small company, it's just a matter of you showing a small POC to the rest of the team and saying, hey, this cool new tech came out and I think it solves this problem much, much better than our current solution. Let's throw this out. Let's roll this out. A couple of weeks later, it's in production. You know, it's never going to happen in those large organizations. Maybe. I haven't seen it happening, though. So that's something else that I wanted to mention as well. Yeah, I was um, interviewing someone about six months ago. And she uh, she worked at one of the larger kind of Australian companies. I won't name names because I don't want to, you know, talk talk out of school, talk tales out of school. But um, she was saying that the thing that she struggled with there was she'd had uh, she joined them as a junior and she was well supported and she had good mentors and the rest of it. But when it came to the way the work was being divided up, she would, um, you know, all the senior developers would get in. They'd be picking their Jira tickets and they'd, you know, they're, they're picking all the the good looking stuff, the the happy path. And, and she, there'd be tickets around like the the error messaging, you know, what are, what are the error states on some of the buttons? And and it would fall to her and, and other people to like be on error states for a year <laughs> or something, <laughs> you know? And I just think like you can, you can imagine a, a scenario where you, you come into the industry, you're really excited to get your first developer gig. And then you, um, you're the one who puts the red border on things. And, you know, like you, you spot it on the website, like, oh, that's my red border. But then I think of like my junior developers who came on and they, you know, 80% of the front end 
is them. Their, their fingerprints are all over it, you know, for better or worse, you know, not always for better. But like, but but it's wonderful for them. You know, they, they have such a feeling of accomplishment and ownership over the product. It's it's really them. You know, they look at it, they see the work they did, the decisions they made. Um, and I think that's another thing that we, you know, again, it's one of the superpowers of being a smaller company. Like you, you make people do a bit of everything and, and, and take on much more responsibility. Um, and it does mean that maybe you don't have some of the kind of rigor that you would have if one person focused on one tiny element and it had like, you know, more, more eyes on it at that process. Like there's, there's benefits to that, obviously. But um, I just think from a pure um, being able to really identify with the work that you do on a daily basis and, and to see it reflected in the experience that your, your customers and your clients are going to have. Um, I think it's just a, you know, genuinely, I think it's a, a wonderful experience for people to have. Um, and similarly, like for my own pathway, I mean, Greg, you made the point of, uh, you know, you can, you can play with titles. <laughs> I went from uh, junior engineer to lead engineer to CTO uh, at breakneck speed, which is not something that would have happened at Google necessarily. But, um, you know, within a smaller company, you're able to do that. But it's also reflective of, you're kind of able to do that because in a small company, you're not just doing aerostates for a year. You know, you, you've got the capacity, you've, you've got to take on responsibility for so much more. So, you know, I, I read someone talking about how, you know, at Google, you might get one year's experience, but at a small company in that one year, you get five years of the same kind of degree of experience because, you know, somebody within the organization says, oh, what's this about microservices? And then all of a sudden you're the microservices guy, you know, you've got to like learn that stuff or, you know, like, so because you've, you're the one who has to kind of delve into those kind of bigger architectural decisions sooner, um, it really just kind of helps you level up. And, you know, David, you made the point of like touching a lot of different technologies, you know, in, in one organization, you might be the front end engineer, but in a smaller organization, you might be on the front end engineer today, on the back end engineer tomorrow, I'll be doing some server admin another day, DevOps another day. And then I'm having all these kind of like client conversations, you know, as well. And I just think that that ability to be be very flexible in in the expectations you have of people, the roles you can afford them, um, and knowing that it's a real, um, you know, so it's it's a a real crucible for people to kind of like, you know, test themselves and also to to learn a lot. And I think you know that's a it's a wonderful thing to be able to offer people. And I think um, you know if you find the right spot where it's not just, you know. The, the downside to that sometimes is these small companies can just be chaos on the inside. So if you can if you can balance that, you know, the, the chaos of being in a small kind of startup kind of energy kind of arena, and then also still give people the the capacity to like have a meaningful impact in the work they do, uh, then I think I think we can you know win the battle against the the bigger ones. Yeah, it's definitely accelerated growth. I completely agree. One year to five years ratio. Might be a bit more, uh, honestly. Have you seen, um, I mean, and you touched on challenges, David, of um, if you've got some old tech, you know, how you can re replace it. But ultimately, there's always jobs that need to be doing in any firm, in any, whether it be in engineering or in security or in DevOps, that, that are unglamorous and do require time. And obviously that has an effect on people's retention, whether they're in it or not. Have you seen any strategies which you thought work well when working on having people work on those jobs? Absolutely, and we are continuously retrospective, uh, retrospecting and improving the way we do things. So uh, our latest approach is we have this 
dedicated, we call it platform engineering initiative. It is uh, a backlog, which is not something that, you know, future initiatives uh, would, uh, would consider their work as part of their initiative. Like most of the stuff is usually feature driven in, 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 in the companies. Uh, you want to be able to provide customer with the best experience possible, but there are technologies driving that experience and they get out of date and they get out of, you know, and there are better ways to do same things from the engineering perspective. And uh, yeah, those get forgotten and yeah. So we do have a dedicated backlog for it and we do have dedicated 20% capacity. So every initiative focusing on feature work also has the right to pull from this backlog that we continuously groom and we try to make sure we prioritize things in there as well. It's not just a random uh, dump of tasks that, you know, are leftovers or technical debt. No, we actually groom it and engineers then can pick up the stuff that they believe would enable and accelerate them with their initiative work. And uh, yeah, that, that, is we, we're yet to see how successful that is going to be. Uh, we've previously done things a bit differently where we have sort of upfront, pre-assigned, pre-planned what, which, uh, who's, you know, you know, who's gonna do what as part of which initiative, but those changes, uh, those, those, those changes sort of required on demand. There are things that we discover as we go and we can't wait for another, quarter to kick off a new initiative to include the new type of work. So we do have the 20% capacity reserved and whatever is the top priority at that point and whatever is the best enabler, we pull in and do. Uh, and we also have agreed that it is in comparison to the initiative work, it is as high, if not higher of a priority. So everyone should feel comfortable picking that up and doing it. And another thing that we've observed is that engineers are not really uh, avoiding this work. They actually all want to get this done. The sooner, the better, because they feel there are benefits in doing it. Uh, it is way worse if stuff is just sitting in the backlog and it's always at the back of your mind that something is not right, something is out of date, something might, by, might break, something has a security hole. You don't want any of that. So it actually improves the experience uh, if, you know, for the whole engineering team, if you can enable them to work on those things. I feel like that's what I've been discovered for the IT industry because, you know, uh, I've been involved in different industries before as well. So what I truly find like people are really passionate about, you know, what they do and they really feel love about working with people around them. So in terms of, of my observation in this industry, like, you know, there's no one really trying to get avoid of the things they're supposed to do or being lazy. And actually everyone's trying to participate and then proactively helping each other, um, even after work, or even it's, you know, front end helping, you know, back end, you know, they're trying to communicate and collaborate as much as they can. I think that's the beauty of this industry. And for example, like even today, like you guys are coming from different background, right? Even though it's IT space, and then this is not even a, you know, paid or sponsored event, but uh, everyone was trying to help because, you know, this is a chance for, you know, 
the leaders in the industry have a chance to speak for themselves and also communicate the challenges as well. I feel like this is something truly, truly rare in other industries. Yeah, that's true. And that's why you see a lot of open source projects, right? IT, yeah. Not the others. <laughs> GitHub's open sources, yeah, 100%. I feel like, you know, being involved in this industry, especially, you know, going through that, you know, crazy past two to three years, hopefully there's no more in the near future. And uh, I just feel like, you know, there's a lot of involving going on as well. Tech stack uh, development and also how we're going to nurture the talent in this industry as well. I would like to ask a, a question and I don't know. Feel free to. Feel free to. Could go through this as that could be a bit of a knowledge sharing between us as well. So what do you think specifically within your company's culture are the main things that help you retain your existing talent? Like what do you think people value the most from the feedback you're hearing? I would be really keen. Like I could share uh, what I believe I'm hearing from my team. So I think everyone really values the flexibility we provide, the ability to work from home as much as they want. There is no really a mandate to go back to the office, but not only ability to work from home, but ability to work the hours that suit them. Some have small kids, some have other uh, commitments, and we do allow people that flexibility. As long as we agree upfront that these are a couple of important meetings where we all want to be, other time can be sort of self-managed. So I feel that is really uh, valued by the team. Uh, we're doing something similar to Faye, where we provide budget for self-education, and you know people can buy courses on Udemy, go to conferences, do do things they want to do, and we also provide like four days off. Uh, a year and we're considering increasing that as that we're not sure if that's enough but that basically allows you to focus on something that you want to learn it's not just the money but also the time to to achieve what you want to achieve so that seems to be uh, of interest although not everyone in the team interestingly not everyone just picks it up uh, some people sort of get caught at work and focusing on, on work more than uh, learning but um yeah so it's an interesting insight uh yeah and those team lunches that uh i believe someone mentioned but oh that's one of the top items in the list actually <laughs> we do a fortnightly uh lunch in the city um luckily all engineers currently in melbourne not not the whole team there are a couple of people in sydney but and, and in Adelaide, but most of the engineers, all of the engineers are in Melbourne. So we have the luxury to all meet in the city and have lunch together. And it is just great time because we're not, uh, you know, we're meeting with a purpose to socialize and we're not going to the office just for the sake of going to the office. Uh, we think there, there has to be a purpose behind us going into the office. We can really well work uh, remotely as long as uh you know we 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 are happy to adopt uh all these modern techniques so we use, we use miro for whiteboards 
we try to enable a video on our video calls. There is no mandate, like we're not forcing people if they're not comfortable coming on video that day. But that's really valuable. Like if you can see each other uh, during a video call, I think that's way, way closer to natural uh, life than just like a voice call in which you can't really read the emotion, you can't understand what other person's saying. So that's one of the values as well. Anyway, I'll pass to uh, Faye. Okay. Um, so basically, in basically, our, we, we already collect data, you know, for, for this point. So basically, we have two uh, actions we take. So the first is we have these regular one-on-one -on -one sessions, because in many calls, if you look at the hierarchy, right, so we don't allow people have more than six direct report. That means you don't have time to look after them. And then they have this regular ch uh, chat. So we ask questions also what works well in medicals, what doesn't. And also when people decide to leave medicals, and we also ask the similar question, right? so what works well, what doesn't. And then what is ranked as number one items when they mention about what works well in medicals. And it's very, very common. And it's surprisingly it's common. If they mention about uh, I'm very happy to work in medical, it's probably all of the co-workers and uh, the people surrounding myself. I feel very supportive. They give me uh, like very collaborative and also they are like very uh, transparent as well. So this is ranked as a uh, number one, no matter if I feel like it's probably in my team, no matter who was re resigned or when we do the one-on-one, -on -one, this, is, this is the top one item they mentioned. And to be honest, I feel pretty happy about this feel like they, it is a, a quite a good culture, right, to have these people working inside the team. And also for to support these activities, right? So I think that they are on the, on the management levels. We do need to mention about, you know, kind of trying to be a leader instead of being a manager. So you do want to, to manage down, right, to make sure all of the people under, under, under your management is happy about their work. And if they have some difficulties, you are to be the people there, right, to help them to resolve. And also across different teams, I, I've heard a lot in the, in the past, especially for different companies, if you are a BA and you are a QA, you set up a barrier, say, this isn't my job, this is your job don't touch my areas or, you know, this is not my part. I don't want to help you. So in medical, we do encourage them because we don't want to monitor um, the performance on the individual levels. We're going to monitor the performance on a team level. So think about it from a team perspective. The best outcome is going to be when you collaborate with each other, right? Instead of hiding or protecting yourself. So you only make sure, you know, you, for example, you achieve the, 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 the biggest starting point. But unfortunately, because you, you, you didn't help the other people, so they are blocked. So that means from a team velocity perspective, right? So the outcome is not bigger, you know, than if you work together. So because of this culture emphasize on this, and also because of the, you know, the leadership, we want them to, you know, show kind of basically, you know, just be authentic. I think you already mentioned this point in the, <laughs> previously. So be authentic, right? Being transparent and manage on, make sure, you know, team is happy, making sure when they, they are suffering from things, something or also they need some help from another team and as a leader right you need to go there and help them and, and, and manage the team so basically the few items were already taken in medical so that's you know the outcome i think is i would say so far is, is pretty good of course there are some different reasons and people resign but at least for the question you ask you know, the number one things i think we hope we're we doing a pretty good job is the you know, creating a very good a collaborative supported environment yeah that's that's absolutely, I agree. I'm in complete agreement with that. And you, you're saying uh, about the leadership style, you're saying that, uh, you know, 
lead by pulling, not by pushing. That's yeah, basically. yeah, and lead by examples. And also, yeah. if um, basically you have to really helping the team, right? Instead of you being a boss and push all of the problem to them, it's better you lead with them, identify the problem. If you need help, yeah, you need to raise this to your manager, right? Help them to help you. So you got this, you know, basically you treat this your manager as a helper. So they, they are the ones to help you to achieve your goals. Instead of they said, you know, this is this is your task and can you finish it? And if you can finish it, it's your problem. So we, we don't want to really create that type of culture. 100%. I mean, I, I would just add to that and, and that the supportiveness seems to be a really common thread. It's interesting, we talk about psychological safety, it's a really catch phrase. But if, if you know, reading the book, so Amy Edson, she came out with it in her fearless organization. That's where she started. To, it was a really low bar. It was like, I feel scared to speak up. Like, if your organization's like that, it doesn't seem like you should be well above above that. And and really what you're talking with, Faye, is, is almost an extreme supportiveness. Like, it's like you just, I can fail. I should feel really, and, and I I really like where that sort of that's going to, and I think when we do it well, that's where we get the that is um that's where people get to. They get to this, they're prepared to take on ownership because they know you can't really fail. Like as long as I try my hardest, as long as I bring my full intellect, which is really within our industry pretty easy to do, um, I will do well. And so yeah, I think we're we're very similar in those in those traits that you described, Faye. Cool. Yeah, I think a lot of that comes back to the idea of having. Uh, really a culture of learning. Um, you know, it's not just psychological safety, as you say, which is a pretty low bar, but when you give people the the freedom to fail things, then they can take experiments and they can learn from those. Um, and if you if you don't give them that opportunity up front, very explicitly, like we, we expect you to fail at some things and that's perfectly okay. And, you know, and you model the responses to that health in a healthy way. Um, then, then people's ability to grow within your organization is just unbounded. You know, they can they can move into any of the areas that they need to, and they know that they'll be supported uh, and that they have that there. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of what we try to do, you know, David, you were asking a question, like, what do we do to try and retain people? We really try and lean on this idea of, you know, a culture of learning. So we, you know, again, like we give people like their, their training budgets or whatever, but we also have like, um, a weekly rotating lightning talk that people just do on a, like a Wednesday morning just to share something they've learned recently. Um, we have the, you know, fortnightly retros as well as you do. And part of that, the way we kick that off is we tell, you know, we just have like five minutes where we share like, what's the thing you learned like in the last sprint? We just talk about some of the things we've learned there. And uh, I think one of the other things we've really tried to model is, you know, when we have our one-on-ones, when we have our retros and we get actionable feedback, like here's a process that isn't working for us for whatever reason, you know, we don't want to have that conversation again two weeks from now. You know, people want to see that, like, I raised an issue and we started taking steps towards addressing it, like, immediately. Like, it wasn't even a question whether we would. And I think that's a, one of those things that doesn't just build psychological safety. It really builds genuine trust that, like, I can bring criticism to my boss and it will be received well because my boss acknowledges that they're fallible and that they, they're willing to grow too. And I think like you can you can make a lot of mistakes. Uh, I, Brene Brown has this thing about you know you fill up the the jar of marbles, um, and you know the so the jar of marbles is like the trust that you build over time, and you know you can it takes a lot to like fill that marble jar up, and it's very very easy to empty the jar. Uh, and I think like 
you know, to come back to Greg's idea of like pushing people out of the organization, that's when you've got no more marbles, right? You've just, you've, you've pushed them out the door at that point. But if you can do everything you can to like authentically foster that culture of learning, uh, that psychological safety, then um, the rest of it is just a case of, you know, hopefully they don't get a much better offer <laughs> somewhere else, <laughs> which is always going to be the harder thing to deal with yeah. ultimately. Yeah, I completely agree with uh, a lot. I like everything that you said, Jackson. And I think not having that status quo, you know, and ability and people able to challenge, everyone being welcome to challenge that status quo is really, really a good uh, trait within the company. And, you know, trying to keep the structure as flat as possible, like not having, uh, you know, a steep hierarchy where manager, manages, manager, manages, manager. Instead, everyone just works as a team. And yes, people have their roles and responsibilities within the team, but they are all there to help each other, not to tell like, hey, you guys, you go do this. You ladies, you go do this. Like, no, that's not how, not, that's not how it's supposed to work. And everyone should be able to, it, we shouldn't even say top down or bottom up kind of thing, because the value is that people doing, you know, building something and everyone is valuable equally. Like CEO is as valuable as an engineer building, uh, you know, a solution. So obviously in because of that, they should both be able to challenge each other and play as equals. CEO may be more an outgoing, uh, you know, communicating, broadcasting what we're doing. An engineer is building what this guy is broadcasting or this lady is broadcasting, you know. So this 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 is really important. I agree with it completely. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys, for contributing such, you know, insightful, you know, ideas from different, you know, backgrounds, different organizations. Really, really amazing. And thank you guys so much again for coming to this amazing podcast. And hopefully I'll have the pleasure in the future to invite you guys back to discuss another interesting topic. Yep, that'll be the end for this podcast. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>